0: What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. Turn to Luke chapter 9 in the good book, and we'll be right there. Have you ever made a complete idiot out of yourself? Or is it just me? And Jared? Uh, didn't mean that, Jared. He doesn't do it every day. Have you ever done something that just made you cringe and want to go hide in a cave underneath Mount Everest? Have you ever felt like the south end of a northbound donkey? That happened to me on Tuesday with Hank Heisenrader. He invited me for breakfast and we decided to go eat at a little cafe down there. And, and Hank doesn't, he's like, uh, what are you talking about? Because he don't even realize what happened. It's taken me a while, lots of prayer to be able to tell this story. We're standing there talking outside his pickup across the street on the courthouse, who motor side. And we're standing there talking and, and I'm, we're fixing to get in. Uh, he's going to get in his truck and leave. I'm going to get in my truck and leave. And this black car pulls up right over there in front of the cafe. And this young lady gets out, and she's got a ball cap on and these big sunglasses. She looked real cute, but three-quarters of her noggin was covered up. And she looks over at me, and she goes, good morning. And I was like, good morning. (laughs) And she goes, you've got to come see my baby. i got to know who you are. I had no clue. I didn't say that. That was running through my head. And so I was like, okay. This is weird. Hank is no help at all. He's like, well, see you later. Hank's getting in his truck. And so by this time, she's walking around the back of the car. She goes, well, come on. Okay. And so I go walking over there, and this young lady has her back door open and she's getting her baby out and I walk behind her and I'm standing there and she gives me this look as who are you you creep (laughs) and I look up and she was talking to two guys on the front porch of who motors not me There is no graceful exit. <laughs> you can stand there and just drip your idiocy. So I did the manly thing and turned around at Debbie Oldham's shop and started acting like I was reading something. And I jumped in my car and I left. And I guarantee you those guys at Who Motors are going, what an idiot. What an idiot. I felt like an idiot. I have booked my cave and I will be leaving right after the service. So we'll see y'all later. Now that my stuff is all over the street. The moral of the story is this. Do not go eat breakfast with Hank Hasenrader. <laughs> not really, Hank. Thank you very much had a great time. Unfortunately, I made an idiot out of myself. And I've been doing that for many, many years. I've told y'all story after story after story. But a lot of other people, including myself, has done the same thing in God's eyes. A lot of us have made an idiot out of ourselves. And the sad thing is, some of us, me included, are still doing it today. We are finishing up a three-part series in a deal that I entitled 666 Christians. Now, I'm not talking about the Satan 666. I'm talking about John 6, verse 66. It says, from this time on, many of His disciples turned back and no longer followed Him. Why would that happen? What would cause some disciples to turn away from Jesus and no longer follow Him anymore? The first week we talked about the delusional Christians when their supposed belief has no basis in reality. In other words, what you say... No, I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm not pointing anybody out. But when you say you believe something and it doesn't manifest itself in your life at all, that's not a belief, that's a delusion. Last week we talked about moderate Christians... God doesn't want moderation-based relationship with you. He wants an extreme, all-in, totally committed relationship. Because we say, oh, well, we can do it, everything in moderation. And we try to apply that to sin. Well, sin is sin. There is no moderate sin. Moderate sin is no no better than all-in sin. Sin is sin. We don't need moderate sin, but we don't need a moderate relationship with God either. And today, we finish up. In Luke chapter 9, 59 through 62, we see two examples of a 666 Christian. Those that say they want to follow him and then turn away and don't for some reason. Y'all know a lot about me. I'm giving you a personal admission. Y'all know a lot about me. I have never hidden my faults from you. I've never bragged about them, but I've never hidden them from you. I'm willing to bet... At this very personal admission that I will make a lot more sense to you now. The questions you've always wondered what makes Kevin tick, I'm fixing to tell you. I was born butt first. <laughs> I was a breech baby. My mom tends to remind me of that quite often. This may, be, this may explain why I look like a big old butt in the middle of Kiowa, Colorado. This may explain why I got in a fist fight with a bell hay the other day. Anybody read Campfire Cowboy Ministries this week? You notice I have my shirt collar buttoned for a reason. If you've never been to Campfire Cowboy Ministries, that is where we do our devotions for Save the Cowboy. And there is a story in there about me getting in a fist fight with a bell hay. It's called what a hickey bar and a bell hay have in common. Go read it. But me being born breached may explain why all of you can relate to what I'm saying. Only two people got that one. In Luke chapter 9, we see two more breech babies. And why do I say that? Because they put their butts first. Think about this. In Luke chapter 6, verse 59, it says, He said to another man, Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, I will, Lord, but first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. But first Christians, breach Christians, always putting their butts before following. I'll follow you, but first. The first guy Smart fellows, and I have to be very careful when I say that because I tend to switch the first letters of words, and it's not good when you switch the first letters of smart fellows. <laughs> Only four people got that one. <laughs> Let's get out of here, honey. This is ridiculous. The first guy, smart fellows have said that, the, in, that study the Bible. A lot of people might say, well, Jesus, man, that's kind of rude, man. The guy says, let me go bury my father and then I'll follow you. Guys, this guy's dad hadn't died. He was probably uh, relatively young. What he was saying is, let me go finish out my life because if I follow you, then I'm the firstborn and I'm going to lose my inheritance if I follow you instead of staying with my family. But first, let me go and bury my father. Let me get my inheritance. Maybe they, ran, maybe they had a prosperous family business that he was going to inherit or something like that. But he's like, yep, I want to follow you, God. But first, let me finish this part out and I'll get right back with you. You can't have your cake and eat it too. He didn't want to lose his inheritance. He didn't want to face what his family said about leaving everything behind and following an outlaw preacher like Jesus. There was a story that I heard not too long ago. I don't know if I heard it or read it somewhere. I think I read it. It was by Kyle Adelman, not a fan. Great book. Recommend it to everybody. He tells a story. He was in Africa and he was preaching. And after the message, two guys came up and they gave their lives to Christ. And he was so happy. And then he went, you know, they were in this village and they were staying in this village and he woke up the next morning, walked out with his... Cup of whatever they drink over there, coffee, I guess. And the two guys that had given their lives had their bags packed and they were sitting on his front porch. And they smiled and they waved at him. And he was like, uh, Hi. So he turns to his translator and he said, What are they doing? He said, They gave their lives to God. He said, Well, what are they doing here? And he said, They've been kicked out of their families. They have no place to go now. He said, What do you mean? He said, When you follow Christ over here, you are ostracized. You are kicked out. They, know they, ha- they are dead to their families, and they knew it. When they gave their lives to Christ, they meant it. They gave everything. Do we have that same type of mentality? Kyle tells another story in the book. The, some South American missionaries. There was an island full of cotton. It was cotton plantations out on this island, and there's, there were slaves out there on this island. And the only ones that could talk to the slaves were the plantation owners and other slaves. They tried for years to get in there and to witness to those without any success. So you know what they did? They sold themselves into slavery to reach a group of people with the gospel. Follow me, Jesus said, but first. Let me go do this. But first. Whatever the case, financial reasons, family reasons, they were all just excuses. And Jesus doesn't cotton any excuses, especially ones that put him off until tomorrow. The second guy, he said, I'll follow you, Lord, but uh, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. There are many who want what God has to offer, but they are unwilling to leave the world behind. They want their cake and eat it too. You cannot have the crown of eternal life without the cross that He tells you to bear. Following Jesus is either a total commitment or none at all. Marriage is a theme often used to describe the relationship between Jesus and His followers. How would it be if your husband or wife said to you, I want to get married, I love you so much, but I want to see other people too? I don't think any of us would stay in that relationship very long, but isn't that what we do to Jesus all the time? We, the church is the bridegroom of Christ, but yet we say that we want to be a part, be one with Jesus, be a follower of Jesus, yet we cheat on Him all the time. I'm committed to you, as long as it's easy, till the first hump in the road, till the first pitch of the saddle, Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. Oh, not right there. Not right there. I ain't going there. Give me some space. Why are you all up in my business? Has anybody else ever told Jesus that? I have. Jesus, you have to give me some space because you're mashing on me real hard about this total commitment thing. And he says, I'm going to until you make me a total commitment. A lot of you may be feeling the same way. There was a story that absolutely touched my soul and broke my heart at the same time. It was a story about what would happen if you walked in, rubbing your eyes, going to get that first cup of coffee, and found Jesus sitting at your table. Jesus looks up and says, Good morning, sunshine. Good morning, Jesus. Jesus says, I'd like to have a talk with you. Okay, Jesus, but first let me, get, let me get a cup of coffee. Okay. So you go and you get a cup of coffee. You're walking by and you say, Jesus, hang on just a second, I need to get the kids up. And you go and you get the kids up. You start getting them ready and shuffled out the door going to school. And you remember, oh, Jesus, I'll be back in a minute. After I get the kids to school, I'll be back. He smiles. He smiles. You go off to school, and then you come back, and you just run in and get something because you forgot that you had to work that day. And so you run out, and you think, ah, oh, I was supposed to be talking to Jesus. He's sitting there waiting. on he'll, he'll be back. He'll be back. And so you go off to work and everything, and then you rush home, and you've got the kids, and you go in there, and you're like, oh, we've got to go to uh, you know, baseball practice or football practice or whatever it is. Jesus, I haven't forgot about you. Just... Bear with me just for a little while, and as soon as we get done with football practice, I'll be there. Jesus smiles, and he goes on. And you go to football practice, and then you get home, and you're trying to rush because you stopped and got Kentucky Fried Chicken. And everybody's eating. You're like, Jesus, we'll talk to you right after we get through eating. And he's still sitting there. Same spot. And then you rush up to get the kids all all ready for bed. Brush your teeth, you know. And if it's like my kids, you have to... <laughs> what are you doing? Playing. You're supposed to be brushing your teeth. I am. And then you say, Jesus, you know what? As soon as I get the kids in bed, I'll be right with you. Okay? And before you know it, you're in bed. And what you didn't realize is that when you walked into your bedroom and you shut the light off, that Jesus was still sitting there waiting on you. And that happens day after day after day all across this world to confess believers in Jesus Christ. He sits there and waits on us, just wants to have a meaningful relationship, a total commitment He's made to you. He went so far as He died on the cross. And all we give are but first, but first let me do this, but first let me do that. The second group of people are the when Christians. I'll follow Jesus like he wants me to when I get back on my feet. Just having a rough time right now. When I get back on my feet, I'm going to be dedicated to God. I'm going to live like he tells me to live. I'll follow Jesus like He wants me to when I get older because I'm young and everybody needs to go and sow those wild oats and do all of this stuff and party hard, blah, blah, blah. I'll follow Jesus like He wants me to when I get older. There's plenty of time. I'll follow Jesus like He wants me to when Jesus proves to me that He's real. I'll follow Jesus like He wants me to when I can clean up all the stuff that's wrong. I'll follow Jesus like He wants me to when I find a church that will preach the Jesus that I want Him to be. When they'll sell me the Jesus that I want to be. The one that leaves out that dying to self and that total commitment. When I find that church that'll just tell me all the tickling ears part, then I'll start following that Jesus. The when Christian's. The but first Christians. When you put those two together, you find a third reason for 666 Christians. And from this time on, many turned away and no longer followed him. You got the but first Christians, you got the when Christians. You've got the delusional Christians. Their belief has no basis in reality. They say they believe, but there's no proof that they do. It doesn't change their lives. They just yeah, I believe that. Just a statement. The the moderates, they treat sin and God the same way, everything in moderation. And what we're talking about today, really, when you put the butt first, and when you put the winds together, the tomorrows. Why do today what you can put off until tomorrow? We rode up one time, we were gathering cattle, and a bull jumped the fence, and we had to go get it. We had to go get it. It was on a neighbor's place. I mean, there wasn't no, I'll leave that, come back later. No, we had to go get it. And so me and my dad, we loped along there, and we were trying to find a gate. And sure enough, we found a wire gate. And I got off, and I walked up. And if you've ever done... Any amount of cowboying whatsoever, maybe it's not that way in Colorado, but in West Texas, I guarantee you, you're going to walk up to a wire gate and it'll have 42 things holding it up. (laughs) It may only have two strands of barbed wire, but it will have that little locking thing that you pull around and you slide the wire over it, and then it's going to be double-tied with barbed wire that every time you make a turn like this, it snaps off right at the roll and then it's going to be connected at the bottom. And so we've got this bull running off into this big pasture, and I bail off my horse, and I get up there and go, what? This thing!" I turned to Dad, and I was like, this thing hasn't been open since Moses built it. He goes, we've got to go through there. And I look down there, and there's a nice big gate. It had a little chain on it. It was pipe. It stood this high off the ground. All you had to do is lift the chain up, open the gate, go through there. I said, let's go through that gate. He said, we can't. I said, why? He said, that's not, that's not the pasture that the bull is in. I said, well, maybe we can go through that gate and find a better gate down the fence line. He said, there's not one. I said, well, I don't think we can get through this. It's too hard. And he smiled at me. He said, open the gate. we got to go, son. we got to go today, not tomorrow. That bull's getting away, and the further he gets away, the harder it is going to be to get. And so I start doing stuff, and finally Dad rolls his eyes, and he gets off his horse. And I had been over here on this side of the gate trying to undo all this stuff, and he walked over there and slipped this end off. (laughs) And opened it up. And I'm standing there like this. You could have told me that. He said, you're making an easy job real hard, son. He said, nobody's been able to open that side forever, so we cut it and made a, the opening over here. But isn't that what we do? We make things so difficult. Matthew seven thirteen and 14, you've all heard it. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. The wide gate that leads to hell has an elaborate ranch-style entrance on it, and it's just got this little easy-to-open little chain. Swing open, shoot, some of them's got that little keypad. All you do is just roll down the window of the truck, just hit the deal, and the gate opens wide. The wide gate that leads to hell has a sign over it. It doesn't say Rocker B Ranch. It doesn't say your ranch. I believe that it has a single word, and that word is tomorrow. Tomorrow. The narrow gate that many search for and few find has a simple sign posted on it that most people will ignore. I picture it as the wire gap gate. And it's got a little sign on it, and it says, today. See, everybody wants tomorrow. But first let me do this. When I get this done, then I'll start following you. All tomorrows, the gate to destruction, has a sign over it that says tomorrow. The gate that leads to eternal life has a sign on it that says today. Only those with courage will be able to find the narrow path. Only those who can be honest in their commitment to Jesus will see the narrow gate. Only those who respect the sacrifice He made will find God's green pastures. Only those with integrity can follow Him down that trail. Only those with the strength to give up will see eternal life. And only those who hear the truth will be able to obey the commands to follow. Courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, truth. When you put those together, it spells Christ. And He's asking you to follow Him, just like He did the disciples. Just like He did in Luke chapter 6. Or Luke chapter 9. No but first, no wins, not tomorrow. He's calling you today. Do you have the courage? Are you honest enough? Respect, integrity, strength, truth. Don't wait. Do it today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message today. Give us the guts to follow you. Maybe we've turned back, but maybe it's time that we just recommit. Maybe we've never had a relationship with you because it's been filled with but firsts and wins and tomorrows. Lord, we know that you died on the cross for us. There's no elaborate ceremony. There's no fancy words that you have to say other than I will follow you 100%. I'll ride with you down every trail that you'll have me go. Help us to be who you want us to be. Do what you would have us do. Say which you would have us say and go where you tell us to go. Lord, we pray all these things in your most precious name. Amen. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, the Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in your ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your help and hand. I know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background. You need to stop what you're doing right now and go by BarrywardMusic.com and check out his new album, West of Dodge. This program wouldn't have been possible without these fine folks. Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling 303 324 8217, WesternLLC.net, Look East Realty 303 644 4444, Double H Heating and Air 303 669 8911, Integrity Auto Repair 303 621 2845, and Comanche Creek Enterprises 303 619 7030. Please support businesses that aren't afraid to show their faith. Call them today or go by SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors for more information.